0: Listeners, you're welcome to Family Alive Ministry, a.k.a. FAM. God began the world with a family, and it must be our goal to maintain that plan. A godly family will produce a godly world. We hope as you listen to this message, the vision to restore God's plan in families would be impressed on your heart. Now, today's message. That's, That's the church we saw last week. I want to go further and then introduce two other words to you, and then we'll take off from there. Um, I'm going to end by giving you two, non exhaustive though, but two major characteristics of the glorious church. Because if I say I'll give you everything I have, we will not live here. So we'll continue to define the church further, the glorious church further, and then we'll look at two major, are characteristics of the Glorious Church. I am not going to be speaking for long. Can everybody see? Yeah. All right, so let's start with the one we know. Are we OK? Ecclesia. There's another word, two more that I'll introduce to you. Okay. All right. So there's the Ecclesia, which we saw last week, and we have just gone over it again. There is kuriakos, and there's Basilea. Don't worry, I'll explain everything to you. It will all make sense to you. In the New Testament, majority of the common words that we have in english in new testament lexicon is actually a transliteration from the greek okay the new testament was written in aramaic greek a word like baptism baptism is a transliteration from the greek word baptizo so transliteration is to take the sound of a certain word and then bring it into another language. So, baptizo is the Greek, and then in the English is baptism. One would expect that a major word like church should have some of some form of a transliteration in the Greek. But if you look at what we looked at last week, ecclesia is far from church. How many of you can agree? It doesn't sound like. Does it sound like church? But I'm going to show you why it is church and where that word came from. This word here, kuriakos, is from the Greek word for Lord, as in Lord Jesus or Master. Okay? That word is called curious. Lord, curious. Okay? This is the word which has a corrupted transliteration to mean church, as we know it. In Old English or the German language, and feel free to check me out on this. Ask anybody who speaks German or any German, ask them, how do you call church? Okay, in German, they call church... Kersher. That looks like Kirk, right? And in Scottish, Scottish people call church Kirk. So this is the corruption that come into English to be church. Kersher, Kirk. And it is from this word Kuriakos, which is from the original Kurios, which means Lord. This word kuriakos occurs only twice in the New Testament. You can first find it in 2 Corinthians chapter eleven, verse twenty, when it's making reference to the Lord's table. When it comes to the Lord's, so that word lords is kuriakos. Then the second um, attribution to Kuriakos in the New Testament, you would find in Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, where John says, And I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And then I heard a voice behind me. So that word Lord. Am I boring you? That word Lord is what we call Kuriakos. Okay? Kuriakos here. right? So Kersha, Kirk. Or, church, by this definition in the New Testament, means something that belongs to the Lord. Are we together? So, if you marry the two, called out assembly that belongs to God or to Christ. That is why in Matthew 16 18, Jesus said, I will build mine. Listen, <clears throat> a serious business to want to marry God's bride. To claim ownership of church is a serious thing to God, and he doesn't take kindly to it. Preachers, myself included, we have got to be careful not to fall in love with Christ's bride. People that think that they, they own church, you have started on the wrong footing. It is only Christ that has the registered trademark for his church. I am building my church. He personalizes that. And just in case you think you have what it takes. To be the founder of a church or the church, Acts 20, verse 28. There are certain qualifications there. If you can match it, then you can say, This is my church. Acts 20, 28. Can we see it? Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit. Has made you overseers. The next time I'm here, I think we're going to look at, you know, the various um, referrals to men of God, pastor, and what have you, their connotations and what it actually means. Uh, You would love it. The care that a pastor must give to the flock, the congregation, and I see that in Pastor Rod and Pastor Eric and all the pastors here, but these two clap for them. That gentle, tender care. That is referred to here, the shepherd. The, the pastor is sometimes also called a shepherd. Poeman. It means one that will run his fingers through the wool of the sheep looking for any flea or any insect to get rid of it. You are tender, loving care for the sheep. We have to talk about these things. When you understand it, then your love for the people that God has entrusted to your care will even deepen. You will understand what it means to be called to be a pastor. To be a poeman is not to lord over people and say, do as I say and not as I do. It is not leadership in the New Testament is not by force. It is not do it this way. No, it is by example. The power of our example is what will lead the flock. But I digress. Let's come to Korea course. <laughs> All right? So these are the qualifications, okay? Among with the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd, that's that word poem to shepherd the church of God. He didn't say my church. Neither did he say Dr. Otterbell's church, or uh, um, Archbishop Bensinger Dijosa's church, or Young Cho's church. No. The church of what? God. Just in case you say, well, it can be my church as well. It's giving you what you would need for it to qualify for it to be your church. Okay? And that church which is God's, he purchased it with his own words. Are you willing to die for your church? That's the qualification. I know there are certain people who are ambitious enough and say, you know what? For my I want I want my name, I want to be the real founder. If it is to die, I will die. Well, let me introduce another clause there. The blood you shed for the church must be sinless. Now, tell me, do you have what it takes? That's why it is the church of God. You have to understand. This is not a human organization. It is a holy institution that had been, if you understand what church means to God, you would know what it means for it to be glorious. We saw last week that the church had been on the mind of God before Genesis 1.1. The church was packaged together as God's means of escape for man to come back to him, should he fall. Church was God's insurance policy to get man back from the clutches of sin and the devil to himself. Before man was created, God had church on his mind. We saw that last week from Romans chapter 8, where I gave you those five verbs Eternity passed. To eternity future. For whom he did foreknow, them he predestinated to be conformed to the image of his dear son, so that Jesus might become our older brother. He will be the firstborn among many brethren. That's eternity past. Whom he did foreknow predestinated. Now he's coming to the present. Moreover, those whom he predestinated in time, he will call. We saw last week, Paul said, he called you by our gospel. Those whom he called, he will justify. And then those whom he justified, he will glorify. The glorified church. So Jesus There was a meeting in heaven. Scripture tells us that. Hey, the things I want to teach in this place there. I was going to say, okay, another time we'll teach on covenants. I think I mentioned that last week. The very first covenant that you can trace biblically is called the covenant of redemption. The covenant of redemption is an intra-Trinitarian covenant. between Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit to appoint the Son as the mediator for man. So God, God, and God had a meeting. And when God, God, and God met, God, God, and God decided to appoint God. That's why in Acts chapter 20, chapter 20, verse 28. It says the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. You don't think Jesus is God? That's clear enough. Or you think he was the father that came to die on the cross. All right. So that is the covenant of redemption. When the son comes to die... The Son will now unite what we call Jews and Gentiles into the one body, which is called the church. And God will get them there by means of the gospel, which the Apostle Paul in the book of Corinthians calls the glorious gospel. So the glorious gospel gets us into the glorious church. So this is Kurios, Kuriakos, that is church, okay? Can we move on? Basilea, which is where we're going to take off from. I'm not going to be long today. Everything I've said is introduction. We are coming to Basilea, Okay. Mark chapter 9, verse 1. Mark. Mark chapter 9, verse 1. Oh, there you go. Clap for them. They're on point, man. And he said to them, now if you go to 8, chapter 8 is Mark's account of um, Matthew's account in chapter 16, where Jesus took his disciples to Caesarea Philippi. Okay, you remember that story? And he asked them saying, who do men say that I am? That was the first time Jesus mentioned the word church. So that which had been decided among the Godhead before in eternity past, he is now beginning to reveal. And he mentioned church for the first time. Okay? That in chapter 8, we have Mark's account of that story, which we find in Matthew chapter um, 16. All right? Then when you have come from there, in what, what, what is called in theology... The great confession, which is Peter saying, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. The question he asked and the answer, some say you are John the Baptist. Some say you are Elijah. One of the prophets said, but who do you say that I am? Peter said, ah, I've got it. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Or in other words, you are the Christ, God the son. And then Jesus said, on the basis of this, I will build my church. That is chapter 8. Now, Jesus continues in chapter 9 and says, And he said to them, he's now giving them a picture of what that word he had just introduced, church, would mean. And he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God present with power. The King James says, there is some among you who would not taste of death until they have seen the kingdom come with power. Marry that with Acts 1, eight. What does it sound like? And you shall receive... Marry those two now with Matthew 28. Verse 18. Or oh. It will make sense to you. That word, please... Go back to, thank you very much. Let's go back to Mark 9, 1. That word kingdom is this word, Basileia. Basileia is another metaphor, or kingdom is another metaphor that is used to describe the church. So what Jesus was saying in Mark 9, 1 is that there are some of you listening to me as I'm speaking to you now. He's talking to the people within the context of that conversation. And he's saying to them, you will not die until you see the kingdom of God come with power. Or until you see the church come with power. When did the church come? Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. Remember Acts 1, eight says you shall receive when the Holy Ghost comes. The Holy Ghost came and then the church was commissioned. So the church was birthed in power. Jesus is saying the kingdom will come with power. Acts 1, eight says and you shall receive power. In other words, Jesus in Mark 9, 1 is telling them, there are some of you listening to me now. You will be here when the church shall be birthed. You will not die. You will see the church birthed. Because the church is the kingdom. It is Basilea. What is Basilea or the kingdom? Literal definition of kingdom is the domain of the dominion of a king. In other words, the territories over which a certain king has jurisdiction. Okay? Okay. Over here, Basilea, the domain of the dominion of the King Jesus or the Lord Jesus, who is the curious. Jesus did not fight for terra this one, earth, yes. land, no. But he was a king. And he has a kingdom. So, where is his territory? Does that question make sense? If he says the kingdom will come and he has no physical terra firma, no physical jurisdiction where is his territory? You want to know? The territory is human heart. It's the human heart. I'm not just conjuring. Okay. Romans chapter 6 verse 17. Romans 6, 17. But God be thanked that you were the servants of what? Sin. But you have obeyed from where? The heart. That form of doctrine which was delivered to you. So when you say, Lord Jesus, I confess my sin. I come to you. Be Lord over my life. Jesus sticks his flag there and your heart becomes his territory. That is why Colossians 1, 13, 14. Give me Colossians 1. Colossians 1, 13, 14. It says that we have been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom. Is it making sense? The question is, is your heart God's territory? Have you given it to him? I told you I won't belong today at all. Have you given your heart to him? The kingdom which is to come in power, when it comes, Jesus takes full and absolute control. Turn to the next person and says, your heart is his territory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I want to give you those two characteristics of the kingdom. I alluded to the first one. I'm beginning to wind down. Don't worry. I can preach short, too. I alluded to the first one. And the first one is the glorious church has a clear biblical Christology. I'll explain it. The glorious church has a clear biblical Christology. In other words, you can have a Christology, but it may not be biblical. What is Christology? Christology is the study of the person, the nature, and the work of Christ. What is your Christology? If you don't have the real clear biblical Christology, then you are not a church. I don't care how many slogans you slap on yourself in front of how many adjectives is in front of your church. The holy mother, daughter, uh, cousin, church of God in Christ, latter day, uh, future day. No, it does not matter. If your Christology is unbiblical, you are not a part of God's territory. Why? Because Jesus said, Upon this rock, what is that rock? The rock of confession that I am God, the son, I will build my church. In other words, any church that does not recognize Christ as God is not a church. When I was giving you the analogy of God, God, and God having a meeting in defining for you the covenant of redemption, I did that on purpose. Did you not hear Isaiah say, Whom shall we send and who shall go for us? Go to Revelations chapter 5. Where there was wailing because there was none that was found worthy to open the book and or to break the seals. If you call yourself a church and you don't see Christ, the head of the church as God himself, then you are not a church. Forget whatever grammar you preach. Yeah. If you miss the great confession. Because the foundation upon which the glorious church is built is the revelation that Jesus is God, the son. Matthew sixteen eighteen. Are we agreed on that? Yeah. And I don't want to even begin to... That one this one there is no controversy about it. It's it's foundational. That is why I cannot call somebody who belongs to the Jehovah's Witnesses my Christian brother. Because their Christology is not biblical. I'm sorry. I teach the Bible. And if you are here and you want to ask me any questions on that, please feel free. I've spent 30 years of my life studying the doctrine of the Trinity. I'll be more than happy to engage you. Wow. Amen. Amen. See, that is the reason why I left these whites. So you go this my face. You think I'm a small boy. No, I'm not a small boy. Yeah. What else do you want to see in the Bible? Paul to Timothy. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. That God was manifest. What else do you want? Hebrews 1.8 And he said, concerning the son, he said, thy throne oh god god is calling jesus god and you small boy you have a problem (laughs) go read revelations chapter 4 and revelations chapter 5 in revelations chapter 4 the reverence in worship that was given to the father the same personalities offering that worship were the same personalities worshiping the son, the lamb, in chapter 5. Sometimes we bash Thomas. We call him Doubting Thomas, right? But when he caught the revelation of all the disciples besides Peter, he was the one that said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus did not rebuke him. He took the praise. If you are not God, can you forgive sin? As normal human beings, you can forgive a debt. Debt is money. But sin, you have what it takes. Okay, let's move on. So if your Christology is not biblical, then you are not a glorious church. I have got to mention that. The Jehovah's Witness and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints have the same view of Christ, Christologically. They see him as the first creature that God created. So in other words, he's a created being. They see him as the same rank as Lucifer. So, those of you who have been taking money from Latter day Saints because you see them having a lot of money, you want to gradually, you know, you are eroding into hell. Because that is a doctrine God would never compromise on. Your Christology must be doctrinally clear that Christ is God in the flesh. Listen, do you read the Bible at all? <laughs> Even the Old Testament tells you that He is God. Yeah. Yeah. Micah five two. Oh Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands, yet out from thee shall come forth He that is to be. You have give me, give me, Micah five two. Whose goings forth is from everlasting to everlasting. Micah in the Old Testament is telling you Jesus is God. Yeah. But thou, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out from thee shall come forth he to be a ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. The King James, um, another translation will say, from everlasting to everlasting. Who do you know that is everlasting to everlasting? Alpha and Omega. So please, if your Christology until now has not been clear, I'll make myself available. I'll close early today. You must settle that score. I'm serious. Otherwise, you will leave here thinking you are saved. And you have a rude awakening on the day of judgment. Because what qualifies you to heaven is the fact that amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? That if the person who died for you, you don't regard as God, then you are not saved at all. That's why your faith will falter. A faith that falters has a flaw from the first. And the flaw is that you never consider Jesus as God. When in Genesis, God said, let us make man. Who was he talking to? All right. I think I don't want to be the dead horse. So you get my drift on that. Your doctrinal Christology must be clear that Jesus is God come in the flesh that's how you become a member of the glorious church because 1 John 3 2 we saw it last week it does not appear what we shall be for we know that when we see him we shall be like him how do you see him however you see him is how you will be if you see him as man you will be man you won't go to heaven (laughs) Amen. Amen. All right. The second part. So, the first part, I say, it recognizes the glorious church recognizes the divinity of Christ. That's the short form. You see, I write these things and I say it in another way. And I'm telling you, doctrinal Christology is nothing, it's not even here. I don't know where it came from. All right. So, I try to make it simple. It recognizes the divinity of Christ. The second one, which I would end on, is that the glorious church replicates the territory of God everywhere. In other words, it evangelizes. Give me back Matthew, the 28th chapter, from verse number 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Yes, 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Yes. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Go back to 19. So Jesus says, all power is given unto me. Go therefore, go therefore. Therefore is referring to the all power that is given to me. In other words, because all power is given to me, I am authorizing you to go. There are certain miracles, Pastor Rod. I have come to experience this in my ministry over and over and over again. I only experience them when I'm on the missions field or I'm witnessing to somebody. Because you are doing what the actual power is supposed to be for. It's not for you to go and print stickers and sell to people on 31st night and get money. The reason why you were given power in Acts 1 8, you shall receive what? Power. And the power is for something, that you might be my witnesses. That is why, when they got the power and they were sitting on it, they localized the power in Jerusalem. They did not want to go. They got the power, right? But what the power was supposed to be, they did not want to. That Acts 1 8 gives. The jurisdiction of that power. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all the other parts of the earth. That is the same thing 19 is saying. Go ye therefore and teach what? All nations. That word nations is from this word. Ethnos. Ethnos is the word from which we get, I told you about transliteration, ethnicity. Ethnicity is monolithic. It talks about a race, a people. These are my people, so I only go to uh, the gang people from Otubloon and things like that. No, no only black people. Are only No, 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 no. He said go to all ethnos, not your particular ethnos. That's why I love that you guys go to Bolga every year to dispense the love of God. Clap for yourself. It's a good thing. In fact, it is so good, we want to join with you. This year, members of my church in Atlanta is joining you. In fact, I didn't get back to you and Pastor Alton too. But yesterday, they had a meeting while I was here. I joined in and it was all finalized. So there's going to be a medical team that will come and assist you to dispense drugs, doctors, and nurses while you are up there because we believe in what you guys are doing. So go to all ethnicity, all ethnos, all people group. But they were content to be in Jerusalem and be among themselves. And then they want to just share the power among themselves. God said, all right. I see you guys have established a headquarters here. I'm telling you go to all ethnos. He told them specifically and then repeated it again in Luke chapter 24, the very end of the verses. Before now in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you have heard it several times, yet you are contenting yourself to be local champions. So God said, alright, I know what to do. I have been preparing me a certain man by the name of Saul of Tarsus, he would deal with you. When the persecution came, then they scattered. Give me Acts eight four. Look at what happened in Acts 8.4 now. I'll come back to Matthew twenty four nineteen. Okay, it said therefore they that were scattered abroad went where. This one, it was it was not they were not willing participants they were forced out when in matthew 9 he says pray ye the lord of the harvest that he will send forth is not being it's, it, that he will force you out that's what paul did to them so then after they were scattered they now left jerusalem They went to Judea and then in that same chapter eight they went to Samaria it's amazing where they encountered the sorcerer and then also the uh, chief financial officer of Candace the Queen of Ethiopia who had come to worship in Jerusalem and was going as the revival was breaking forth God just told Philip I need you to leave the middle of the revival now it has to take a lot of obedience I mean, the guy was a local champion. I mean, demons were being cast all over the place. To the extent that Simon Margot, Simon the sorcerer, had come and he was eating from his palm and saying, man, this power, I've never seen some before. To the extent that he wanted money. He he offered money to get some of that power because he realized that as powerful as he is on the dark side, this one, he can't touch it. He said, Charlie, I have some money here. If it was some prophet in Ghana, they would take the money. And they would prophesy for him and say, receive that that power. See, when you don't have, it's easy for you to give. But when you have the real thing and you know what it costs for you to have it, you can never, never, never profane it. What did the apostle say? To hell with your money. That's what the the, uh, message translation renders it. The King James was polite. He said, Your money perish with you. No, he said, To hell with your money. Listen, money comes by this thing. And which is the modern church, if they don't understand these things, they become the direct opposite of the first century church. At the beautiful gate, two disciples were going to worship. A man who was in need was begging for alms. Silver and gold, we don't have. But such as we have, we give to you. What is it that they have? In the name of Jesus. They don't have money, but they have the name. The modern church don't have the name, but they have the money. Amen. All right, I said I was not going to be long. Please, take me back to Matthew 28 19. So you are to go to all ethnos. Even after all of the scattering, do you know still, Pastor Rod, in chapter 10, Peter, the man that caught the great confession and he made a confession and said, you are Christ. When they sent him to the house of con, he was still arguing with God. He said, me, I'm a Jew, I don't eat pig. Ah, what are you showing me? He said, oh, yeah. You would think the guy repented. He never did. (laughs) The idiosyncrasy of a typical, a, 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 a pure Jew is so steep and deep. Such was Peter. Okay, if you permit a little conjecture on my part, I can say that even after the chapter ten encounter, he still did not repent. Because in Galatians, Peter was saying to the brethren there, he spoke to Peter to his face and said, "You are a hypocrite. Yeah. Yeah. When you are, when the Jews are around, you behave like you don't like these Gentiles. Yeah. But when they are not there, then you want to do an unshisha. That's what you call it, right?" they yeah. yeah, okay. <laughs> clap for me. Ah, people encourage me. Self would put right. I think I like that one. Self would put, I'll put it down. Yeah. But look at the beauty of God. The Holy Spirit, the arrival of the Holy Spirit about a week after Christ had ascended marks the establishment, the beginning of the establishment of the church that had been on God's mind from before creation. So they have come to identify the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the arrival of the church. Here's what God will do. God now wants to prove to them that the Gentiles were now also a part of the one body. So in Cornelius' house, in Acts chapter 10, when reluctantly your man had gone to preach, when they finished, they also had the exact same experience they had in the upper room. They also began to speak in tongues. They stepped back and said, no, this is the same thing we experienced. If they are experiencing the same thing, then it must be that they are also part of the one body. That is how God will bring Jews and Gentiles together and fuse them into one body. That is called the church. Not just that. In Acts 19, the same thing happened. Old Testament saints, people who were taught by the man Apollos. Apollos only knew the baptism of John. And he, they were Old Testament believers. Paul goes there said, have you received the Holy Ghost? He said, no, what are you talking about? We have only heard about nothing. He and what do you know then? We only know the baptism of John. Oh, okay. Then he taught them, as he taught them, they, he prayed for them, and they also received the Holy Ghost. Then they recognized that not only Gentiles in Acts chapter 10, but Old Testament saints can also become a part of the new body. So go to all ethnos. So you have to go to all ethnos. I told you, boy, that this is my favorite place to preach. I can stand here for three days and not get tired. You know why? Because there's a spirit here that draws out of me. That's what it is. It's, it's not everywhere you go that you find it that easy. You can have the capacity, but if the prevailing spirit is not right. It won't come out. Alright, let's go. So, you go to all ethnos. It says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. I taught you about Basilea, right? Alright, it's coming, it's going to show up here, how it functions. No, please, 19 back. Where it says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Greek, it is anoma. It means to baptize them into the possession of the Godhead. Baptize the, all ethnos, all nations, all ethnicity, all people. Black, white, Latino, Ghanaian, Nigerian, Sierra Leonean, wherever Afghanistan, wherever they are. Baptize them into the possession of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. That means before they were not their possession. So when you baptize them, they now become a territory of the kingdom. So you baptize them into the possession of the Godhead. Does it make sense to you? Now, three things, very quickly, about evangelism. I wish I had time to expand on this. Matthew 9, 36. I alluded to that earlier. Matthew 9, 36. I, I promise you this is my last scripture. No, last but one scripture. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Let's deal with this. No. Nine. Give me. Okay, that's it. When he saw them, the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Last week I told you, Three major things I want you to know about evangelism or to embrace in evangelism. Number one, emulate the love of God. Romans 5.8, it was the love of God that brought us to him. While we're yet sinners, Christ died for us, he loved us enough to die. Okay, so we must emulate. It must be the love of God. When you see somebody who is not saved, you must, you must, you must be moved by the love of God to want to transfer their territory from that of the devil to God so that they can become the possession of the Godhead, just like you are. So you must emulate the love of God. Secondly, you must embrace compassion. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. When you see somebody that is not living right according to your biblical standards. As somebody who is sitting uh, in church all the time, your attitude must not be judgmental, but rather compassion. Have compassion on them. Don't go to them and say,
1: you are a sinner, you must
0: stop smoking weed or drinking this and that and that and that Otherwise, you're going to hell, you know. When you do that. Okay. Somebody will say we have different means of communication, but I don't know that that is always a winning formula. What I just said, you die and go to hell. Okay. Compare that to, you know, I want to offer you a certain medicine. It's a panacea for all diseases it cured me of my own sins it's called the blood of Christ what it did for me I want to offer the same for you I know it will be good for you compare the two which one are you likely to trigger a response because you are putting yourself in their shoes listen my friends don't sit on your high horse of sanctimony when Christ came, he identified with us. Hebrews 4. 14 to 16. Hebrews 2. When he sent his only begotten to the world, he did not take on him the form of angels, but took on him the, the seed of Abraham. He became as us that he might redeem us. Okay? So you must emulate love, embrace compassion, and then, the third one, you must eliminate judgmental behavior. Don't, 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 don't be too judgmental. Tell them, let them know, you know what? God is helping me. That panacea that I'm offering you is doing me good. And then lastly, you want, you want your lifestyle to also witness. What you are on social media, Pastor Rod was saying it, is sometimes different from when you are having fellowship with the brethren. You have become. (laughs) All right. You have become Esau's hands and Jacob's voice. When Jacob was going to the father, after he had connived with the mother, The father, because he was blind, he said, ah, this hand is Esau's hand, but the voice. Don't have Esau's hands and Jacob's voice. It must be your hand. It must be your voice. I am not preaching perfection because none of us will ever be. I am preaching being better on a daily basis progressively. Galatians 2.20 I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. The life I live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. Crucifixion. There is a doctrinal study in academia that is called cruciform. Cruciform is the doctrine of dying daily. Daily. You are, you are, you are, you are practicing daily death. Every day you are dying, small, small. That's cruciform. You crucify this flesh. That's what this man is saying in Galatians 2.20. Does it make sense to you? So we must belong to the glorious church. We hope you were blessed by this message. For more information, please visit our social media websites on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at Family Alive Ministry. Please subscribe, follow, like, and share. God bless you and have a great week.